For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. Tillamook County, Oregon is now known for two things. One, the great song by Todd Snyder titled Tillamook County Jail, and most recently, the death of a 66-year-old bow hunter named Mark David. Mark had shot and wounded a bull and chose to leave the animal overnight. Leaving an animal overnight is a tough decision to make. A hunter is put in this situation when they are either unsure of the hit, the point of impact, the depth of the arrow, you just don't feel great about it. Or when there is just too little sign, specifically blood. Too little blood to confirm your good thoughts, and maybe darkness is closing in. The reasoning is, let the animal quietly succumb to its injuries as opposed to feeling the pressure of being tracked and fleeing on adrenaline. The longer the tracking job, the more room for mistakes, the more mistakes, the greater the odds of losing the animal. This is not an easy decision to make. A hunter worries about the welfare of the animal and the possibility of spoiled meat, but once you snap a cap or release a string, That animal is yours until you can determine it is going to live another day or it's ending up in cold, clean packages in your freezer. The next morning, John, accompanied by the landowner, found his bull alive. The animal charged him, impaled him with his antlers, at least one of the wounds was to the neck, and despite the landowner being on the scene, John, the bow hunter, was killed by his bull. To say this is a rare circumstance is an understatement. I know of a few instances of hunters being surprised as animals seemingly come back to life on them, 
one or two stories of hunters actually being hurt by these animals, but no first or second hand accounts of hunters being charged and gored by a bull elk and dying from it. Bull elk can grow beyond the 800 pound mark, but this bull, a 5x5, was likely somewhere in the 600 pound range. Despite not being as big as a bull could be, as our good buddy Joe Rogan would tell you, it is still a forest horse with swords growing out of its head. But still, more hunters are hurt by literally the horse they rode in on than the bull they went after. Antlers are bone, they are hard, and the points are sharp. I personally know many more hunters who have been hurt by elk as the elk rolled down the hill stone dead, the antlers incidentally hitting them as they attempt to wrangle the elk or deer down the mountain. I'm sure our hunter Mark was scared when he realized the bull was not going to stop. On top of that, he had the feeling that the bull he shot had suffered all night. My only hope was that maybe part of him thought positively as the bull charged that maybe this bull was going to make it. Of course, we'll never know. Oregon State Patrol investigated the incident, and the meat from the animal was donated to the Tillamook County Jail. So, if you are walking the fine line of the law in Tillamook County, right now wouldn't be a bad time to get booked into the clink, food-wise, that is. After all, Todd Snyder only got a phone call, two Tylenol, and four gray walls closing in. I ain't ever going back to Tillamook County. This week, cast nets, high-tension lines, skyfish, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week, and this podcast, as you know, is sponsored by Steel Power Equipment. Steel, makers of handy indoor-outdoor tools, such as pruning shears for the garden and for breaking down upland game birds, waterfowl, and fish collar removal. Electric chainsaws that can bounce and rattle along inside of your pickup all hunting season long just in case you may need it for that tree blown down over the road that could prevent you from getting to your hunting spot, or maybe just a little firewood gathering. Maybe even, let's say, uh, zipping a tidy line down the spinal column of a buffalo or something. Whether you use it or not, it won't leave your rig smelling like oil and gas, and you won't run the risk of nauseating your spoiled, sensitive bird dogs. Or, I guess, kids, for that matter. And uh, speaking of bird dogs, as everyone also knows at this point, I've been working with a now four-month-old Snort, uh, my future bird dog. Been reinvigorating my waterfowl and upland bird brain. Doing a bunch of research, burning some fuel and tire tread, looking at spots where I won't interfere with other hunters while working a new dog and hopefully still getting some birds. Stumbled across this place here in Montana that has a pretty interesting story. It is a closed basin, meaning there is no definitive output. It fills based off a snow runoff and rain. It's an intermittent wetland, prairie pothole situation. Absolutely chock full of life. Incredible spot. Uh, Migratory birds of many species, as far as the eye can see. The story of this place is interesting in the fact that a big set of power lines were built and they intersect uh, what is sometimes a lake. According to a biologist I spoke to, when those power lines were built, thousands of migratory birds died. That sounds pretty extreme, you might say, but listen up. Birds would strike the wires, then fall dead onto the lake. They would then fester and bloat in the summer sun. 
avian botulism, which is a disease that can be present in low-lying stagnant marshes and sometimes other water types, was present. Avian botulism is commonly spread through maggots, and that's what happened here. These dead floating birds turned into rafts of maggots that became infected with botulism. Then other ducks and shorebirds started eating the botulism-infected larvae. These birds started showing signs of paralysis and eventually died. The power company has since put up reflectors on the cables, which helps deter birds from colliding with them, and they cut a check for a boatload of cash to help create what is now a waterfowl refuge in a state wildlife management area. Now, here are two things to note from this. One, if you can say raft of floating maggots infected with botulism and it doesn't turn your stomach a bit, you're a stronger person than I am. Two, the current administration's revisions to the Migratory Bird Act, which is something I've mentioned many times on this show, well, what is now a beautiful wildlife management area, likely never would have happened if this high-voltage collision maggot raft scenario were to play out next year. Under the Trump administration's revisions, the energy company that stretched the power lines across the marsh could have chosen to not do anything. Not put up reflectors to deter collisions, not help replace the wildlife they killed by helping fund a state management wildlife area. Remember, these are migratory bird deaths, so it's not just Montana wildlife we're talking about. That's not fair, you might say. That's just wrong. That's not being a good neighbor. All of that is true. But under the recent Trump revisions to the Migratory Bird Act, if this company didn't intentionally mean to harm migratory birds, then they don't need to do squat. Or squawk, I might say. Anyway, another thing that is interesting here, as I mentioned, this is a closed basin that is largely based on snowmelt. Low snow years equal low water years. Sometimes this basin runs dry. In fact, it was told to me that in the past, during these dry years, the lake was noticeable from miles away as the exposed alkali flat would be whipped into the air in a white cloud. I mention this because changes to the Clean Water Act have lifted the protections for intermittent non-flowing potholes just like this one. I gotta bring this up because, you know, I need to. These are examples I never knew existed and they're in my own backyard. Start looking at those informational signs near you, specifically where you hunt and where you one day want to maybe take some kids to hunt, and I bet you'll find some examples too. And yes, these are the fun things I think about as I am out scouting for birds. Ignorance is bliss, right? I'll hit you with one more thing I've kind of been uh, noodling on here. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm still picking up the occasional walleye. Based off of a recommendation of a real-life Midwesterner, I started using a combination of weedless bottom-bouncing weight called a Lindy Rig, a barrel swivel, fluorocarbon leader, and uh, this thing called a slow-death hook baited with a nightcrawler. The slow-death hook, aside from a macabre name, is in fact kind of a horrible thing. It's a uh, kind of contorted, twisted bait hook that you thread a nightcrawler on. A nightcrawler's big earthworm, for those of you who don't know. The nightcrawler, as I observed many dozens of times, does not enjoy this process. Just so you can grasp the full effect of what I mean by thread, what I'm saying is the tip of the crawler meets the tip of the slow death hook. 
then you manipulate the wriggling and unwilling crawler in such a way to skewer or impale as much of it as possible onto the hook. All of this is done so the crawler has some action to it, some spin down there on the bottom. And I started thinking out there on something unrelated, which is how much I despise the I don't know defense, or I didn't know rather, especially when it comes to like fish and game violations. But in the case that uh, Earth is invaded by some super intellectual force of earthworms at some point, and the lives of humanity hang in the balance of our ignorance of the sentience of earthworms, that's all we've got. You know, we just didn't know. What seems to be the officer problem? Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle. Heart and soils, unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it, you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Moving on to the ever-popular law enforcement desk, two Emola Key, Florida men used a cast net, which is a net that you throw out by hand, right? A tool folks use to catch bait fish. But these two men used it not to catch bait, but a man trying to break into their vehicle. 
The two men chased the would-be thief and subdued him with the toss of the cast net until the proper authorities could arrive. The thief was unharmed, by the way, because, you know, cast net is a dangerous weapon. Nothing to laugh at. Folks drown themselves trying to catch their bait every year. The thief is lucky he was breaking into cars on dry land. This incident brings up a very good point about the innovative ways of outdoors people, a point that was illustrated to me by uh, one Sally Thompson of West Glacier, Montana. You know that song, Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys? Well, there's this notion that although there are some good qualities, even admirable traits associated with someone who bucks the trend of full and steady employment and chooses to not make much of a living uh, money-wise, is not someone to bring home to mom and dad, not somebody to grow up to be. This isn't just limited to cowboys, of course, as this sentiment is used in regards to basically everyone who makes their living in the guiding community, or seasonal employment community even. Well, Sally Thompson made the case that guides are exactly the characters you should marry, as they are generally very capable with very little. They can make do when the circumstances are poor. You forgot the frying pan. No big deal, we'll make skewers over the fire. Forgot the guts to the percolator pot. No big deal, we'll have cowboy coffee. Patch a hole in a boat, or a tent, or even on you. No problem, I'm on it. And what's more, they'll get that tip at the end of the day, because despite all the difficulties, everyone made it through smiling. I think that is illustrated pretty darn well here. I'm not sure how there were no other ways of apprehending this individual, but this Imola Key fishing duo made do with what they had and channeled their inner gladiators by tossing a cast net over a fleeing crook. Way to represent the outdoors community. Moving on to the Yellowstone Park beat. And no, nobody played chicken with the bison this week. However, James Izell was driving his Chevy Tahoe through the park near Mammoth Hot Springs when a park ranger approached him due to the fact that he had large tree branches with pine cones attached to the top of his vehicle. As most, hopefully most, park visitors know, you can't take stuff from inside the park. Upon further investigation, Azell stated that he was almost done with a three-week tour of many national parks, and yes, officer, you may further inspect my vehicle although you may find some things that are definitely not taken from national parks. Let's pause here and just state the obvious, as anyone who has ever been in trouble knows that when you get caught clearly breaking the rules, evidence in hand, you don't say, but hey, don't pay attention to this other stuff. That stuff was definitely obtained by not breaking the law. Inside the vehicle, Ten large pine cones were found, five pine cones with seeds, five large pieces of petrified tree, 63 rocks, a black and blue feather, a live plant with roots still attached, um, let's see what else, seven pounds of marijuana, a bag of psilocybin mushrooms, $5,000 in cash, two handguns, another bag of marijuana, and a vape pen containing THC, and we aren't talking the Hunting Collective podcast, people. Izell told the officer that the marijuana was purchased in a state where it was legal. And here's another note for uh, you future wannabe lawbreakers here. Know when to be quiet. 
you're just not going to do yourself any good by pointing out one thing on a long laundry list of illegal things that could possibly not be illegal. If, in fact, there is a state that allows for the legal purchase of seven pounds of marijuana, and on top of that, you weren't currently sitting with that seven pounds of marijuana inside a national park where possession of marijuana in any amount is illegal, um, you know, they're not going to like that. Anyway, next time you get stopped behind a long line of cars at a national park, think of this story, and it may make sense as to why someone is so intent on taking a picture of their 500th bison or ground squirrel that they would block two lanes of traffic to do so. Ezel could get five years in prison and $500,000 in fines if, in fact, he gets the maximum. I'm sure you'll be able to see his Yelp or Google review of his park experiences shortly. I'm sure this is the type of character who will actually leave one. Moving on the UFO desk. Our next story is out of Michigan of a pretty fishy flying object. And because I can't make this stuff up, here's the real headline from the Miami Herald. Live fish falls from sky in Tennessee, gets hit by a car, then gets stuck in bumper. I know what you're thinking. What are the odds of a roadkill fish? That's kind of like foul hooking a desert tortoise while bottom fishing. Before we get to that important question, Let's figure out what the heck happened in East Tennessee. According to a Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency Facebook post, Ed Leinberger was driving near Watts Bar Lake in Kingston, 150 miles east of Nashville, when a white bass fell from above and got stuck in his front bumper. According to the agency, they've seen a lot of wildlife struck by vehicles, but never a fish. The prevailing theory is, A bald eagle dropped the fish during a mid-air battle with an osprey, and Leinberger's car just happened to be the landing spot for the lost prey. Strikes me funny that the working theory involves a mid-air battle, not just some poor bird losing grip of their fish. Anyway, despite how crazy this might sound to Leinberger's insurance company, wildlife seems to fall from the sky more often than you'd think. Twice in the past 10 months, drivers in Tennessee reported red-tailed hawks falling from the sky. Why? They were being strangled by snakes. Seriously, snakes. If you live in Mexico, this story probably isn't all that surprising. It happens so often that cities like Tampico have a saying, Luvia de peces, which translates to rain of fish. Didn't teach us that in high school Spanish. Scientists believe that fish can get sucked up from oceans or lakes by tornadoes that touch the water during a storm. These water spouts carry the fish toward land and eventually toss them down on local residents. Water spouts have been documented from California to England, but it's unlikely that's what happened in Tennessee. But, you know, that doesn't mean you shouldn't heat up the grill, grab a stick of butter, and look to the sky. There might just be some tasty fillets headed your way. I mean, there's hope, anyway. A chance. And, you know, that's all people are looking for when they're fishing. Continuing on, a bald eagle went all top gun on a government drone over in Michigan. When they're not struggling to keep hold of their prey, it seems our national emblem can be found savagely ripping the propellers off of government survey equipment. According to the Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes and Energy, the incident happened near Escanaba in the Upper Peninsula area of Michigan last month. 
And everyone knows Escanaba from that strange Jeff Daniels movie, Escanaba in the Moonlight, which, oddly enough, has some unexplainable phenomenon-type action in it. And I'm not talking about the euchre, lining kugels, pasties, or any of that other youper stuff. Anyway, environmental air quality analyst and drone pilot, Hunter King, was using the drone to map shoreline erosion. As the drone was heading for home, nearby eagle watchers saw a baldy strike something in the distance. King had no idea what happened, except that it looked like, quote, a really bad roller coaster ride on screen. The DJI Phantom 4 Pro advanced drone plunged into the lake and was never seen again, costing the taxpayers about 950 bucks. But why did the Raptor go all maverick on that drone? There's no way to know for sure, but maybe he felt the need. The need for speed. Alright, I admit that's a horrible joke, so let me just end on an even better bad joke. The Department of Environmental Great Lakes and Energy, like all things government, has its own acronym, which is EGLE. And according to EGLE, a 2019 U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service survey stated there are 849 active bald eagle nesting sites in Michigan. And that's up from a low point of only 76 sites back in the 1970s. So you could say that the EAGLEs are showing the EGLE who the real BIRDs are. And that's worth much more than $950 to me. Moving on to the retiree desk for the most heartwarming fishing story you'll hear this year. We all know that nursing homes across the country have been getting hit hard during the COVID-19 pandemic. Older residents are particularly susceptible to the deadly virus, and many have been trapped in their rooms for months. Naturally, some nursing homes are getting creative with how to entertain their residents. In Russellville, Kentucky, Creekwood Place Nursing and Rehabilitation was able to pay back all the grandparents that took us kids fishing over the years with an innovative day of angling. By teaming up with Tractor Supply Company, Creekwood Place was able to get a tank, some stocked fish, some no-harm hooks and bait. Residents looked overjoyed to be hauling the large catfish out of the stock tanks without having to leave their residence. Of course, when Creekwood shared the news on Facebook, Some commenters weren't all too thrilled to see fish baited and hooked for fun because, yes, there is no innocent joy that can't be crushed inside of an internet comment thread. But in Sweet Redemption, there was plenty of positive reaction too. One user wrote, I never thought watching people fish could make me cry, but this certainly did. Whoever wrote that obviously has never been a fishing guide. What could have made this event all the more engaging and inspiring? Watching these old folks toss these fish on the grill and make dinner for their fellow residents. Yeah, well, it turns out the fish were taken back to a local pond later that day. I'm sure when our resiliency of this pandemic improves, grandparents will be taking their grandkids to catch and, you know, maybe release those fish all over again. Good on ya, Tractor Supply Co. and Creekwood Place Nursing and Rehabilitation Center. That's all I've got for you this week. As always, thanks for listening. 
If you want to set me straight, or most importantly, tell me what's going on in your neck of the woods, please do by writing in to askcal at themeateater.com. That's A-S-K-C-A-L at themeateater.com. If you're loving what you're hearing and want to spread the love, tell a friend or two about Cal's Week in Review. I'll talk to you next week. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order i'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet you can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.